This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. It's a trio of us today. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Matthew Bruni, Shay Dixon. We've got a lot to get to on our first spring preview edition of the podcast. And we're starting hot and heavy with what everybody loves to talk about, the quarterback position as well as the wide receiver position, one that's always a strength for LSU. We're going to jump right in, though, and break it down, the state of the quarterback room. It's one that has a returning starter in Jaden Daniels, has Garrett Nussmeyer in the mix after a strong uh, game against Purdue and and certainly against uh, Georgia in the SEC championship game, as well as Ricky Collins, the four-star quarterback they signed. Gone is Walker Howard, the former uh, top-ranked quarterback in Louisiana in his cycle. Guys, this is a room that is always going to be a hot-button discussion, especially as of late with LSU having the talent that they have at quarterback. Uh, Shay, let's start with, with you. I mean, we went through December and January, of course, the rumors surrounding, you know, who was going to transfer. Well, it ends up being Walker Howard. That leaves... Jane Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer is the two guys returning. What's the state of this room like? This is a pretty good situation for Joe Sloan, in my opinion. Yes, Joe Sloan's best potential outcome of whatever could have happened here. Jaden going pro, Nussmeyer transferring, um, Walker transferring. Out of all of those things, <clears throat> there is no doubt the best outcome, Matty B, we've talked about this a ton, was getting Jaden and Garrett back. If you had Jaden and Garrett on the roster for spring and presumably through the fall and into the season, that's the best case scenario. Not many teams. You're looking at Bama. They're trying to replace quarterbacks with guys who haven't played before. A number of teams. Um, Georgia, you can keep going down the list. LSU has two guys, and we're confident enough now in both and have seen enough of Garrett Nussmeyer, even a smaller sample size, but in big games that he could handle this. So, if Daniels doesn't play well, if he gets hurt, if he gets beat out, your backup right now is good enough to start and you feel good about it. He's got more experience even than guys like Ty Simpson at Bama. So I like where they're at. We can dive into the numbers here in a bit, but simply from having – you always want to have three quarterbacks. They've got that. It is not the end of the world that Walker Howard left. After one year, he was a redshirt guy. He wasn't playing for you. Now you bring in Ricky Collins. He's an early enrollee, so he will be there all spring ball. He gets to get acclimated to things. And again, I just go right back to the start. The goal for this team was to have Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer still on roster. They did it. That's it. If Walker Howard wants to leave, that's fine. The best thing for Brian Kelly and Joe Sloan was the two guys who have played stayed on roster. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels ends the year 68.6% completion percentage, uh, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions, and that's obviously before you get to his legs, which are arguably the most dynamic part about him, which won them several games, put them in position in that Florida State game, obviously, when he scrambled for like 40 yards um, to get them in range uh, and then end up scoring. Uh, 
he I mean he ends the year rushing for 885 yards on 186 attempts. Um this is just he he is in a lot of people's minds, and I think it for Brian in Brian Kelly's mind, he is the incumbent. He's the one that's gonna have to be beat out. Um and I think Garrett Nussmeyer is aware of that. I think Garrett Nussmeyer goes into this off this offseason saying, All right, best case scenario, I beat Jay and Daniels out. I get the job. Um, realistic scenario, I get a a lot of snaps, but I'm not the starter. Jane Daniels starts the games and plays, you know, a majority of snaps um, against uh, good teams, against quality SEC teams. You know, in the non-conference, I'll get plenty of reps. Uh, worst case scenario, I don't get a lot of reps this year, but Jane Daniels is going up next year, and I get two full years as the starter. Um, heck, maybe one year as a starter if you're that good, but um, – Two full years as a starter, and you go from there. So that those are the scenarios for, from Nussmeyer's perspective. Um, and like Shay said, I think that's the best case scenario for LSU at this moment. Jaden Daniels comes back, Nussmeyer comes back. We were all going to be fine, I think, if Daniels went pro and Nussmeyer and Howard returned. But at the end of the day, the the floor just would have been lower for this quarterback room. Right now, the floor is incredibly high because of what Shay said, and ultimately, I think there's a lot of room for Daniels and Nussmeyer to, to get a lot better this season and potentially make this one of the best quarterback rooms in the country. Yeah. And as far as the state of the room goes, you've got Jaden Daniels, you've got Garrett Nussmeyer. Ricky Collins is a guy that we, you know, ended up putting up as a four star after his senior season in Baton Rouge. And, you know, for Ricky Collins, he's always kind of needed to improve his consistency. He's played on a team that didn't give him a lot of help. He was running for his life out there. If you watch a lot of his senior tape, especially, he's somebody that could use a red shirt year. But not only that, use uh, being that third quarterback, he could get a small amount of reps, whereas he's not completely standing around, at least in spring ball. Um, that'll allow him a little bit of time to develop, to settle in. There's very little pressure on him to come in right away and be a backup. Um, you've always got to stay ready and be as ready as you can. But you know, for Ricky Collins, he's got a lot of upside. It's going to be you know, the start of a process for him, you know, developing that consistency. We know he's got the arm talent. He played baseball um, he, and he, you know, led Woodlawn for a long time at quarterback. So he's got some experience, um, you know, starting as a quarterback, but he needs to kind of take a reset and get into this offense, dive in um, and be in a situation that's a little bit more settled uh, just from an offensive weapons and, and situation standpoint, which I think LSU is in a good spot. Um, they return a lot of guys off this offense. Uh, from last year. So that'll help him if he does get some reps with the older guys in that perspective. But also, uh, he's got some talent at the wide receiver position that comes in with his class. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, for Ricky Collins, this is a, a time to just sit back, learn, and develop. Um, and that's something we've seen Joe Sloan do a good job. You know, what he pulled out of Jaden Daniels, and we could talk a little bit more about, you know, how he needs to push the ball down the field more. Um, but he had Garrett Nussmeyer certainly ready to go in his moments this year. And now it's Ricky Collins' time to, to get developed um, and, and begin that process. So, guys, do you think this is a room that could see a true quarterback competition with Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer this spring? Or is it maybe a little bit more like you said, Matty B? You know, Jaden Daniels is the incumbent and it'll take a, you know, it'll take a big effort um, and, and showing from Garrett Nussmeyer to really unseat Jaden. I think, look at it this way, for me at least, 
I don't think they're battling each other as much as they're battling themselves and where they need to get better. And with Nussmeier, it was shedding this gunslinger mentality, which makes him great. That's what makes him a really dynamite kind of unique quarterback prospect. He is not willing, he is not scared to throw the ball around the field. We saw early in the year when he got out there, Southern, it didn't look great. Well, as the year goes on, he understands what he has to do. He's getting it drilled into him. And by the time he's playing in November and then in the second half of the SEC championship game, he looks great. I mean, there was it was a far cry from where it was at the very beginning of the year. I'll say this, though, because we have to start with Daniels. He's QB1. There's no denying that he had started every single game this year. That defines QB1. But I'll give you some of this, and Maddie B, Billy, you can react. People say, well, he didn't push it downfield enough. All, that's, all of that is true. 208 yards per game. That was 11th among the 12 SEC starting quarterbacks. So not great, right? 17-3 and three TD to interception is a really good ratio. You'd like to have more than 17 passing touchdowns, but that's a good ratio. Now people are screaming, that's because he doesn't take any risks. He didn't take any risks. Daniels knows that. That is something that from talking to people on the coaching staff, from talking to Jaden at the end of the year, he tried to make a more concerted effort after the Tennessee game. There were many times where we saw it happen, other times where he played a little bit hesitant. But more often than not, I felt like he just didn't want to lose them the game. Like he wanted to just make sure ball security was number one. Brian Kelly preaches it all the time. So because of that, I think he was a little bit hesitant. And remember, he's in year one. He doesn't know all these receivers like the back of his hand. He doesn't know the offense like the back of his hand. He's got all of that to grow this offseason. Now, I'll also give you this, 7.5 yards per attempt. That's on the lower end of the SEC. Only about Will Levis is probably, uh, or excuse me, only, um, who is it at Mississippi State? Uh, Will Rogers, Will Rogers. Uh, would about be the only guy who's averaging less than that. And that's by design. That's just RIP Mike Leach offense. You'd want the yards per attempt to go up. The QBR rating right in the middle of the pack. But here's the caveat, and, and this is where I want you all to chime in and give your opinion. 11 rushing touchdowns. That was third most in the SEC, and he's the only quarterback that was in the top 10. The only guys in the SEC that ran for more touchdowns than Jaden Daniels, which includes all running backs, were Judkins at Ole Miss, who was phenomenal and probably the best running back in the conference. He had 16 touchdowns. And then he got narrowly edged out by Jabari Small at Tennessee. Other than that, it was Jaden. So for me, I'm curious and I'm oversimplifying it, but for Denbrock and Sloan is the goal to figure out how do we pull back some of the rushing and replace that with passing, or am I simplifying that too much? It's, in an ideal world, I think you're right to where they are replacing some of his rushing with passing. Uh, if nothing else, just because it takes some of the injury factor away from Jane Daniels running the ball so much. Uh, I mean, we see it with, you know, mobile quarterbacks all the time. Just something small can end up, you know, an ankle, a knee, something oh, he, like that. He played hurt half the final half of the year. Exactly. So, I mean, we see that all the time. So if nothing else, if you can get his rushing attempts – from 186 to 140, I mean, that's, you know, 40, that's four per game less. Uh, a lot of that's RPO type stuff. Some of that is Jay Daniels keeping it maybe when he shouldn't be keeping it. You know, we've seen a lot of those different things, but that I think the ideal situation is cutting that down, not drastically, just moderately enough to where you are 
getting the ball in the hands of receivers more and not having him to have to do so much. I think 186, I don't have the breakdown in front of me, but I mean, those first, that first game against Florida State, I mean, he probably had what 20 in that game. So that's a sixth of them. Maddie, Maddie B, you kind of did all the film breakdowns. Give us the quick off the top of your head. Like you, like you said, you don't have the numbers, but just thinking back, what is the percentage of designed runs versus when he just sort of scrambled? And obviously, when you sort of scramble, the pocket might break down all that. But let's be fair. There were times probably where he scrambled where it was, hey, we sit in the pocket a little bit longer. Hey, trust that yeah. the blocking is going to be there for you and that your guys are going to get open. What's the split between what they actually really want him to be running versus when he was just running? As the season went on, I think they did a better job. I think Denbrock did a lot better of a job uh, scheming it up to where it was like, all right, Jaden, you're going to run on these these plays. There were rollouts. There were the RPOs we talked about. There were the, just the read options we talked about. Um, so as the season went on, I think that percentage changed. Florida State game, you look into it, it's just like, all Jaden just Jaden just running 90% I'd say as the season went on I'd say it's close to a 50 50 um off the top of my head 50 50 type situation um because they did start utilizing his legs more and I think they did it with that in mind to where all right if we can just get blockers in front of him maybe we can get for five yards and slide um and that's going to be what Denbrock I mean this offense should look I don't want to say it's going to look a lot different but it should look a lot more clean you know, it should look a lot less improvised in a lot of ways. And that's what the goal will be. And I think that's what Jaden is going to do a lot better this year um, is not having to just wing it as much. So that's um that's that's a positive. I, I think for Jaden, it, it's about confidence. I mean, you go back to his, his first year um, at Arizona State and you look at his yards per attempt, 8.7, then 8.3, 7.9, 7.5. Those are the last four years adjusted yards per attempt, 9.4, 9.0, 7.1. And then it jumped to eight at LSU. So, you know, this is one thing that I think is important with Jaden is that now he's ha had this year in the program. You've got these receivers that are coming back. You know, Kayshawn Butte wasn't necessarily the explosive guy we all maybe thought he was going to be bouncing back from that injury. You know, we knew there would probably be an adjustment, but he didn't look like himself pretty much all season you have this group that includes Malik neighbors and Brian Thomas and all the young guys coming back this is a situation now where they've added to that talent in the wide receiver room you're in year two um, you've got the legs part of it down trust yourself like you guys were saying and throw the ball down the field they've got these great playmakers and it's probably one of those things where as the dumpster fire unfolded at Arizona Arizona State probably lost some of that and then when he came in I think the game plan for LSU for much of the year was game management quite honestly you know I watched a lot of Mike Denbrock at Cincinnati um, they had some explosive playmakers they had a very very good team at that level for multiple years and one of the better quarterbacks in the country for the last couple of years Desmond Ritter Jaden Daniels in that system it is kind of a game management style that with this receiver talent, you want to see them tweak it a little bit to say where go throw it, throw it, throw it, and just keep pushing that because Jaden Daniels probably built a good bit of confidence off of last year, regardless of the explosive plays or not. He led them to some big wins. Uh, he was efficient. He was able to move the football with his legs and he kind of found his footing a little bit. I, I think this is one of those things where 
what you want to see is just him have that confidence again uh, that he had early in his career where he was just letting it fly. You know, mm -hmm. he came in as a true freshman and just let it rip. So you want him to get back to that. I think being in a system for a second year will help. Um, and, and, you know, the talent around him doesn't hurt either. Uh, oh, totally. And look, people, Charles Power, who's our national scout and recruiting analyst for the high school level, when he was at 24-7, he had Jaden as the number one dual threat quarterback in the country. He went to South Carolina. He doesn't care about what's happening at Arizona State. He doesn't care about what's happening at LSU. He's completely unbiased in this. And <clears throat> he said, man, LSU fans are really so hard on Jaden. He got so much better in one year than he was at Arizona State. So you would expect that jump to happen again. We flip it to Nussmeyer because you're asking about a true quarterback competition. For Nussmeyer, I think it's about battling himself with not just the gunslinger thing, but pushing the ball. You mentioned explosive plays. Like when he came in the second half against Georgia, explosive plays galore. He was chunking it down the field and playmakers were going down and getting it. So I think Nussmeyer needs to really hone in on that. Let's pull back on the turnovers, turn the ball over in that Georgia game. Obviously, I think one of them, oh, that was on Jaden, the Jack Bash off his helmet, but yeah. uh, had a turnover, had a fumble maybe. Ball security for Nussmeyer and then just showing that hey, in year three, this is how far along I am. Because we saw in the bowl game, <clears throat> Brian Kelly, granted, they knew they were going to win. Yeah. So they said before the game, we're playing Nussmeyer. I'm curious if Nussmeyer plays well enough this offseason, what does a quarterback competition really mean? Does it mean, oh, who's really going to start in week one? Well, I think that's probably going to be Jaden. But is the leash – a little bit less long and not because of Jaden, but maybe because of Nussmeyer of, Hey, if an Arkansas game happens and we're just not playing well, I think they have almost no hesitancy at this point to put Nussmeyer in. And they did not do that last year. So if we're talking about quarterback competition, I think it's more about how quickly are they willing to put Nussmeyer into a game? And I think at this point after Purdue and Georgia, and then I think he played UAB maybe, they'd be a lot more quick to put him into a game if something's not going right. Or Jaden's banged up and is hobbling around, and you're like, oh, well, we need him to run, and if he's not going to run, then let's just put Nussmeyer back there. So I could see that where the dialogue about quarterback competition goes. Yeah, I, I think when we talk about it on the board and people talk about it all the time, it, two things could be true at once, right? Like Shay said, Jaden Daniels can start game one and you can look back on it and say, oh, there wasn't really much of a competition. Well, they are. They're competing every day. And if Garrett Nussmeyer gets a good bit of playing time early and maybe, maybe it does end up being a borderline two quarterback system. I mean, that just says to me that Brian Kelly, and he's proven this and we talked about this last year, he's not afraid to play multiple quarterbacks. Heck, Notre Dame, I feel like, played three quarterbacks like his last like three or four years there. Uh, they had multiple guys that were playing a lot. So I feel like as long as they hold, hold true to what they've preached pretty much across the board, you know, we saw Will Campbell, Emory Jones step in. Mm -hmm. They preach competition. And when you play well in practice, and Brian Kelly's one of the best in the country, Sunday through Thursday especially, they bring that competitive aspect out. And I feel like, I mean, they'll reward it. You know, part of the battle is getting to, I think, the 2023 season with both of those guys on the roster. And I don't think they have any reason to think it wouldn't be a true competition. And in that sense, it's all about getting better, 
pushing each other, pushing yourself, and seeing where the chips fall. If you've played well, you're probably going to earn snaps, and that's the reality of it. it. Here's the thing, too. Maddie B's talked about this a lot. It's tough to say it's a absolute quarterback wide open competition when one quarterback has started 40 something games and the other has never started a game. So I think we've just got to meet in the middle somewhere there, which is why I'm leaning on that. Nuss just needs to play well enough this off season for it to be a no doubt. Hey, the second something might not be going right or the second we might need a spark or we fell behind a little bit. Let's shuffle it up. They'll go to Nussmeyer. I feel very good about that right now. We'll see how spring goes. We'll see how the summer goes, but they were not in that position last year. This year, I think they'll be closer to that. Uh, and again, however you want to say it, the leash is not as long as Jaden. That's not necessarily on Jaden. It's just that Garrett is now getting better and better. And as he gets further along in his career, he deserves more of a chance if things are not going right or your starter is banged up or whatever it might be. So I'm interested to see how reps are split in the offseason because – Obviously, you want to give Nuss some reps to make him truly realize he is in a quarterback competition. But, yeah, man, I'm thinking Jaden's getting – I can remember last year in spring ball, guys, where we'd go every time and be like, well, who got the most first-team reps? So did yeah. I think this time Jaden's going to get the first-team reps. But I think Nuss will get enough to where it's obvious that, hey, they really need to see where they're at with both guys with the first team. Yeah, uh, last thing I'll say is – well, I have two points. First, uh, it is helpful that they are such different quarterbacks and that teams will have to prepare for two different quarterbacks. If, you know, best case scenario, if Nussmeyer is actually able to plant himself as, hey, you're going to play me, like he, he's too good to leave off the field for entire games, teams will have to prepare for two quarterbacks. And we've heard it time and time again. Like that's part of the reason why coaches don't like giving up their, you know, quarterback health. Uh, per you know uh, before games because they, they want to make teams prepare for two quarterbacks so that's going to be uh, one avenue I think that's a huge positive of having Nussmeyer being able to be, be vertical throw the ball down the field obviously clean up the turnovers that will decide a lot my second thing and uh, the last thing I have on this quarterback situation is I think Shea covered it well it's like how exactly is this going to work out if this is a two quarterback system because if you go game by game last year there are there are a lot of games where it would be like, you know, if they, if those games happen this year, it's like, all right, do you put Nussmeyer in? Like, Correct. Eight game. You you probably put Nussmeyer in pretty early. Like if that game happens again. The Mississippi State game, remember they had six. I think they had six points at halftime. Let me double check this. Uh, No, seven points at halftime, halftime. They were down 13 to seven. Like you go down, down the list. Auburn we've talked about. Tennessee. Um, the Florida game was fine. Great game. Ole Miss even, they were down at halftime. Arkansas we talked about. Like, A&M. Like, there's a lot of games where they didn't get off to good starts. The offense looked stagnant for for long stretches of times. And if those happen this year, is it a quick change to Nussmeyer? How long is the leash? That's the biggest question because those games are going to happen. It's just a matter of, like, how short is the leash and how quickly do they want to get Nussmeyer in there? Yeah, and it, it's a feel thing, too. I, I mean, there are times where, you know, it could be stagnant and Brian Kelly might like what he's seeing, though, for some reason. Yeah. And 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 the guys up top are saying, you know what? No, like we're busting some things and, and some guys ran a wrong route or we're, you know, whatever reason, uh, not pass protecting. We're not giving him a chance, you know, things like that. 
could be, you know, all right, let's ride it out. Let's see how it goes. But, you know, I, I agree with both of you. I think they're going to be more apt to believe in Garrett Nussmeyer's ability to, um, you know, lead them and, and, and be productive if they do turn to him in any situation. I guess I'll, I want to wrap this up, too, by saying that people are going to be curious of, well, if Nuss doesn't win the job in the spring, is he going to leave? And for me at this point, that doesn't make sense because you're already past spring ball. So if you're going somewhere else, you're trying to win a job out of fall camp, really, which is tough to do. Most of the quarterback dominoes around the country have fallen. People are putting their quarterbacks into place and they're going to operate with them in the spring. And the reality, I think, for Nuss right now, and remember, Nuss's dad has coached quarterbacks and offense for a long, long time in college and the NFL. He understands pecking order, all of these different things. And for Nuss, I think he just understands the reality. Hey, <clears throat> as Matty B said, I'm going to have a chance to play more in games than I did a year ago. If we're not playing well against Arkansas, I'm going to get into the game. If we're not playing well against whomever, Auburn, I'm getting into the game. And that's going to be the reality of it. But he also knows this is it for Jaden. When the bowl game ends next year, Jaden's gone. And Nuss is the very clear-cut guy. And I've talked to people about LSU. There is no feeling of hmm, maybe we need to get into the portal when Daniel leaves just to be sure they trust Nuss. They want Nuss to be the next guy that takes over after Jaden. So I don't see why Nuss would want to leave after spring. I think he knows, hey, I'm going to play a little bit more this year. Then it's my team. And because of that, I feel good about them moving into the fall with the three quarterbacks that they're going to have in the spring. Man, getting both for this year and then getting, if they get Nussmeyer for two more years, I mean, that is just perfect. You you can't ask for anything well, more. From the and if they team. only get Nuss for one more year after that and he went pro, that means he played so well exactly. that he could go pro and you would take that too. <laughs> great, great position to be in. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and if, if Nuss played so well, it means he's have some really good wide receivers catching the ball, making some plays too. That goes for Jaden Daniels this coming year. This group, I really feel like even though they lost Kayshawn Boutte, they lost Dre Jenkins, you're looking at a group that's pretty salty now at the wide receiver room. So let's move on to that group. I love it. There's Malik Neighbors, who we've been high on for a long time, even when he didn't play his senior year of high school football. One of the more competitive guys I've been around and seen. You've got him leading that room. What are, are we talking? Belitnikov type expectations for Malik Neighbors right off the bat? 
And I don't know as well about the national landscape as far as who's returning for that. But, I mean, Malik's, Malik's got that in him. He has 72 receptions for over 1,000 yards, only three touchdowns. Yeah, when you put it like that, I mean, it is uh, how much more can he do is the question. Like, is he going to get to 85 receptions for 1,200 yards? Like, that would be – and obviously, even with Jaden Daniels not being the most, you know, explosive quarterback, he still had 14 yards per reception. Like, this is a guy who can do it off uh, yards after catch. He can do it on the deep ball. I mean, he caught fades. He was on the sideline, toe tapping. I mean, he can do it all. Uh, I think there is room still to improve, and maybe that will coincide with the quarterback improvement of throwing the ball down the field and being more vertical. But, I mean, we said it before the year last year, he has the best hands in the room. Like, he's he was going to break out. He can play in multiple positions. Obviously, I think he's more of just a boundary receiver now. But, I mean, he it was pretty clear when he overtook Jack Besh in the spring, it was like, okay, this guy is is legit. And then he just went from there. Uh, let's do a quick uh, Q&A uh, or trivia here. Ah, damn. Um, Shay with the trivia again. Okay. Uh, Matty B, you, you can get put on the spot here. You'll get you'll get the answer. Billy would too. Um, Malik Neighbors, 1,017 yards on the year. Who's the only other player in the SEC who went over 1,000 yards receiving? All right. No one from Bama. Uh, Hyatt? Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt. Yes. Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee's explosive deep threat, is gone pro. When you look at, in terms of just yards per game, it went Hyatt. Then it went Malik Heath at State, then Neighbors. Malik Heath is going to the NFL. When you look at receptions in the SEC, sitting atop the list, the only person who caught more than 70 balls, Neighbors. So I can make the case that he's the best receiver in the SEC coming back. He's got to get the double-digit touchdowns to be a Blitnikoff. Uh, how do you sure. ex- explain this to me? How do you catch 72 balls, go over 1,000 yards? You're extremely dynamic. You can run. Your average yards per catch was right at 15, which is about as good as anyone in the conference beyond Hyatt, who was a deep threat. Yeah. And you scored three touchdowns. Hyatt scored 15 touchdowns. So is that a scheme thing? Is that a Jaden's just not throwing it deep thing? Like where where are we settling there? Because the reality was I can't tell you a time that LSU's had a thousand yard receiver that had three touchdowns. Like I'm that trying to think. It doesn't they, happen. They were. Be, go ahead, Billy. Would it be more of, all right, he's working between the 20s really, really well. Yeah. They get down into the red zone, and then you get Mason Taylor. You get a Jaden Daniels run. I mean, they, they just run a, the football. Yeah, they just scored a ton of you know running. Rushing yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. That's what they, I was going to say is the, the red zone. They were more of a red zone type team. Um, especially without the ability to really take the top off defenses. They were a red zone team, and that obviously lends itself to uh, Brian Thomas, five touchdowns. Ray Jenkins uh, had, I think he had four in the first like five games or something like that. Uh, Mason Taylor, three touchdowns, and only 22 touchdowns between the quarterbacks. Remember, not including Malik's uh, touchdown pass in the bowl game, but uh, 22 touchdown passes to go around. So it's not a ton. And when, like we said, Ray had six, Brian had. Brian Thomas had five. That's 11. So um, not a lot of room there. If we assume, which I will assume, that this quarterback room throws more than 22 touchdown passes, I think it'll be close to, you know, 30-plus probably this year. Um, if that is the case, there are just more avenues for uh, Malik to to score. Because this remember, they broke the record for most rushing touchdowns this year. And a lot of that's obviously Correct. when you're in the five and in the ten, they were just hammering the ball home. 
I'll give you this too. Um, only in the past 14, 15 years, only five LSU receivers have gone over a thousand yards. We talked about Malik Neighbors. He had three touchdowns and obviously 2019 season is an outlier here, oh, but um, Jamar and Justin both went, they both went over 1500, but 20 touchdowns and 18, that's accident. And that's just ridiculous. But the one other time would have been 2013. Jarvis and Odell both went over a thousand. Both had right about the same number as Malik with catches, uh, total yards, all that. And they had 10 and eight in touchdowns. So three is just such on the low side for me. I'd like to see it get a little more explosive. Um, and we can talk about that with some of these other guys, but it'll be interesting to see. I do firmly believe Malik Neighbors is the best receiver in the SEC coming back. He is the clear cut number one. How do you get him more involved in the vertical game or more involved in scoring touchdowns? Just because I feel like he's that dynamic and um, we'll see. I, I just feel like that's one thing I'm watching this offseason. I want to see Malik Neighbors, his catches, best in the SEC, his stats, best in the SEC with yards. Why are the touchdowns so low? We explained it. They get inside the 20 and they just run the football. That means you need explosive plays. So explosive plays from the quarterback to the receiver is something I want to see them work on in spring. Sounds like Matty B is about to watch every Malik Neighbors catch of uh, last season. Um, hey, if I want, if I can watch every uh, yeah, turnover yeah from the basketball team, then I can watch every Malik Neighbors catch. Yes. Yeah, I'm worried about you when you did that one. Um, look, I mean Odell Jarvis. I mean they might have been the victim of the toss dive, but uh, LSU in the red zone. I, I feel like the rushing touchdowns just took away from what Malik Neighbors could have gotten, and and maybe that's something they try to change up. I mean, obviously they they were productive in the red zone, but you still you want these wide receivers. That's what's going to kind of keep the buzz around the program. I mean, winning is, but let's be real. I mean, people want to see it, um, you know, in an explosive fashion from the receivers, especially with the talent that LSU has. I feel like that. Not to go back to the quarterbacks, but that's just it. Just comes more with confidence, trust, pushing that ball down the field in year two of the system for Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer. Who steps up around? Malik neighbors. That's another big question for this group. They had multiple guys kind of running around, shuffling in and out different results throughout the year. They lose Kayshawn Boutte and Dre Jenkins. Who's your clear cut number two, uh, kind of a bold prediction leaving spring ball. Is it, is it bold? I have Brian Thomas as the clear cut number two. Yeah. I'm not sure how bold I am with that, but I'm going with Maddie B on Brian Thomas. It's He's been that dude since Walker. Billy, we would go out and watch him play at Walker, basketball, football. He was phenomenal. His junior year was probably as good as any junior in that class in the country, at well over 1,000 yards. He's got size and speed combo that the other guys just don't have. He's 6'4", and he can run, and he's well over 200. He's got hands. He just needed that chance to where Kayshawn and Jure are now out of the rotation. So he gets to move up. He's my clear-cut number two. He's in his year three. They trust him. Hell, he had five touchdowns last year, which yeah. was second most behind Jure, who Dre had six, and I think he caught three in one game. So Thomas definitely, for me, is a guy who can get you touchdowns, and I also think he can be, he can be an explosive play type of guy if you put him into that mix. But a year ago with – 30 yards a game, that's not enough for me. So I want to see him really leaned into as the number two guy. That was my that was gonna be my question to either one of y'all is is it concerning at all that last year Brian Thomas didn't like 
clearly become the number two. Like Kayshawn continued to be on the field time and time, even though he was limited. I'm not saying you had to take him off Kayshawn off the field, but I mean, Jeray, Kayshawn, those guys were, felt like they were on the field just as much, if not more, than Brian Thomas. And I mean, Brian Thomas' upside is clearly obvious 6'4, great build, great speed, like all this stuff. Only 31 catches for 361 yards last year. And I know some of that's the quarterback position, whatever. But did, did it did it bother y'all at all that Kayshawn and Jare kept getting out there over him? I just don't think they were going to give up on Kayshawn. Yeah. So I think they were just going to ride him. And Jare was, what, a fifth-year senior or whatever? And you knew you could trust him in clutch situations. So I just felt like they rotated a lot. And yeah. that kind of kept Brian off the field in different stretches. But – that's my thing. If Kayshawn and Dre are not on the team anymore, Brian's my clear cut receiver. Number two. Well, and I mean, Brian Thomas is kind of like Shelton Sampson is right now. He's got upside or he had, he had upside coming out of high school. He had production as a junior, uh, you know, his junior season, but kind of that consistency of bringing some of it out of him was kind of what, the coaching staff wanted and and we saw a glimpse of that finally last year so i think you know year three on campus i mean this is his time but with a guy like brian thomas who just needed to continue to develop and get more confident in himself to consistently do what he can do that is the the part of the process for him and so i'm not surprised because of what shay said to Keshawn and and Jure, but it's just kind of an evolution for Brian Thomas. I think this is his year to really be that number two guy as well. And, you know, one guy we're also going to get to see for the first time at LSU is Aaron Anderson. And what, what role uh, does he play out of that slot? I mean, is he a screen guy? Do they move him into the backfield here and there? Do they run a little mesh with him and get him in space? Do they push him down the field? He's kind of a complete wild card in this room. Um, he's got the talent, he's got the speed. W- how, how do they use a guy like him is, is probably what I'm interested to see this spring. We talked about it a little bit, but they didn't really have that gadget type player. And that's what Aaron Anderson brings to this team. Uh, they don't need him to be um, Kayshawn, you know, two years ago. They don't need him to be Malik Neighbors. They don't need him to be Jack Besh in the slot. They need him to be a unique weapon that they did not have last year and a, a, a new toy for for Mike Denbrock in this offense. So that's what I'm going to be interested to see is how, like you said, how they use him. Uh, I I remember, I think, when we did a podcast, uh, Billy, um, after they got in Aniston, I compared him to Jalen Darden, and a guy nobody will know because he's from North Texas. But, I mean, he was an All-American, uh, you know, broke – broke records at North Texas, uh, was drafted, um, still in the NFL. So that type of 5'9", slot guy, slants, screens, um, I mean, even on the occasion, if he does have a favorable one-on-one situation, you can take that shot with him because of his speed. So that's what I'm expecting. Uh, obviously, without seeing him last year, it's hard to project him to be the clear-cut third-best receiver on this team. Like, it's, it's hard to do that, but – I'm going to talk about a former like high four-star fringe five-star type guy. So, um, I mean, my expectations are very high. Hey, and we're going to do special teams in a few weeks on our podcast previews. And mm-hmm. he will come up plenty there because I think he could solve an answer on the punt return or at least be an option for them in the punt return game. Um, I love the Aaron Anderson pickup. The only guy on offense that they added in the portal 
And it made so much sense bringing a Louisiana guy back from Bama that you lost a year ago during the coaching transition. Um, a guy that had been committed to you for a long time. And then when O got fired, he decommitted. So this, it, for all reasons, it made perfect sense. And we've heard the buzz already coming out of just workouts that he looks the part, he looks healthy. He's the type of guy that belongs in the LSU receiver room, as Matty B said, top 100 guy easily across the board. So I'm with it. I, I love it. Now, are we on the breakout candidates here or what do yeah, we yeah. I was about to move into that. Who okay. breaks out this spring? It could be somebody that's been around a, a while um, or could just be somebody that becomes a household name uh, thanks to spring performance, you know, right away from, from the freshman ranks or the newcomer ranks, however you want to put it. Who's, who's your guy that's going to have everybody talking about him um, who isn't already on the radar, I guess? I um I wrote an article the other day and I went to you guys and said, here's the five guys I'm thinking about breakouts. And we talked about different guys and I posted it. And then every single person's response was one person I didn't include. So I'm going to include them as now. I'm going to include them now. And I'm going to let y'all tell me what your thoughts are here. But I thought this was going to be trivia. You were <laughs> it, was. it is a bit of a trivia, but I'm going to I'm going to give the answer. Uh, this guy in high school had, was running in the tens in the hundred meters sub 22 in the 200 meters straight grown man race 400 meters sub 48 which is ridiculous and oh let's not forget that's like not even what he's good at his high jumps seven foot state title multiple times state title winner third year chris hilton if he's healthy those are numbers that nobody else on lsu's team has not even aaron anderson aaron anderson wasn't running that in high school aaron anderson's high school fastest high school time outdoor in the hundred, let's say, was a ten seven seven. It's not. It's right on par, and didn't run two hundred. Didn't run four hundred. I, for my money, Chris Hilton's the best athlete they have at receiver. Can he stay healthy? Because if he stays healthy, I feel like he gives them an option for a take the top off the defense. Something like a Jalen Brown will do. Something that is, I'd say, Jalen Brown and Chris Hilton are the two fastest guys in the room. How do you utilize that? If they figure out a way to utilize it, I could easily see Chris Hilton breaking out. Yeah, I, I think my pause is exactly what you know Chris has battled, which is injuries. And and I mean, he, who knows in spring? I mean, guys can get taken care of, you know, a little bit easier and, and keep them up and things like that. But I mean, I think he's he would be almost more of a breakout pick for the fall potentially. Like if he if he shows a little bit this spring then you can say, okay, he's done. He's on the right track. He could be that breakout guy this fall just because even if he has a good spring, it's still going to be, okay, well, can he stay healthy for a season? I love his athleticism. I think he's awesome. I mean, we, we've both known him for a long, long time now. I, I mean, I would love to see him break out. I'm, I'm going to go with one of the freshmen. I mean, I saw him at the All-American Bowl. I, I think Jalen Brown, um, just watching him compete at the All-American Bowl really stood out to me. Um, that was a guy that didn't have a senior year that he particularly liked. Um, it was a weird situation with his quarterbacks. And he went out there and was a top performer. We bumped him right back up a little bit more. Thanks to that, he's got the speed. Um, and most importantly, he's got the competitiveness. You know, I mean, you've got the polish of Kyle Parker in that room. Uh, you've got kind of that versatility Louisiana guy in Kai Prion. And then you've got Shelton Sampson, who's got the upside. I think Jalen Brown is as competitive as, you know, I, I don't want to put him in the Malik category yet, but he's pretty darn competitive. And I think 
when you walk into a program in the SEC, you've got to have that. And I, I think he's going to be out to prove a lot of people wrong. Um, I know just talking with a couple of sources, Jane Daniels has been leading a lot of these wide receiver workouts and, and really taking a lot more ownership of that now that he's been around a year. Um, you know, whereas last year he did have Miles Brennan around. That whole group of receivers is really, you know, I, I think now in a position where it, it, it's truly a, a competition that stands out to me more than last year. I, I think there's more options, and I think Jalen Brown's one of the guys that's most competitive, and he's got the talent to uh, break out this spring. Yeah, a couple of these freshmen I think we'll, we'll see playing time. But y'all have left me with Kyron Lacey, Landon Ibieta, and then the rest of the freshmen that aren't Jalen Brown to pick from uh, for a breakout candidate. You can just agree with me, Matty. So, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> I will not do that. Um, I in high school, out of high school, I loved Landon Ibietta's tape. Okay, I can't cannot pick Landon Ibietta for this right now because I just did. We didn't see him last year. I have no idea if he will be able to do it. Um, at the next level, I really thought as a freshman he would be able to come in and uh, help in some sort of way, or I'd at least get to see him. Obviously, the injury, uh, the first half of the year sucked and sidelined him, and then he just kind of never really got on the field from there. So I can't do that. And uh, while I like Kyle Parker and I like Sheldon Sampson a lot, I think you talked about it, Billy, Kyle Parker, you know, perhaps the most uh, college ready got freshman of the group. Um, I'm going to just stick with Kyron Lacey because I think uh, if he can clean up, I mean, the drops against Texas A&M were unacceptable, right? So you got to clean those drops up, but he is experienced. I think he's a good route runner. I think he is a very, very capable backup receiver to neighbors and Thomas, wherever they want to put him. Um, so I'll go with Kyron Lacey because if nothing else, I think he can be a very, very solid backup and kind of be like, let's just say he can be like a Jare Jenkins of last year. That's pretty damn good to me. And I know Jare wasn't a backup technically, but you know, I think in that realm. It's Kyron's money here too, so he, he's got to yeah. have it too. Uh, well, and y'all can remember watching spring ball and fall camp. We would watch wide receiver individual drills and Kyron was dropping balls and they would be getting all over him and nobody else was dropping balls. And then we saw was dropping some balls too. Yeah, that's true. We yeah. saw that carry over into the season though. So if he's in spring ball catching everything and looking like he's made a real focus on the jugs machine and just the rapport with Jaden and the timing and all that, the focus, then I'm for that. I, when you see Kyron Lacey in person, not in pads, he's more impressive physically looking than Kayshawn or any of those guys. He is a big kid. So he's one I definitely am for. I'll give you this real quick, um, Billy. Our on-three comp for uh, Jalen Brown, speedy receiver out of Miami, is Will Fuller. Uh, Will Fuller obviously came out of the Midwest, played at Notre Dame. Um, but when we brought that up on signing day to Brian Kelly, he said, that's my comp. I think he is Will Fuller. 2.0. Well, Will Fuller's freshman year, granted, I know nothing about what the depth chart was there, any of that. Uh, he played in all 13 games, got a few starts, uh, 160 yards and a touchdown on six catches. So obviously a lot of explosion, but year one, he was getting adjusted. By year two, 76 catches, over 1,000 yards, 15 touchdowns, top three in the FBS in those categories. So that could be, you know, Jalen Brown could – Test the waters this year, but by year two, those would be pretty big numbers if you're putting them up. And and I think when we talk about like freshman wide receivers, you know, breaking out, I think Jalen Brown is going to have people talking about him this spring. 
don't know if he's if there's a, like there's enough depth and there's enough talent in front of him that he is in a backup role, a very clear backup role. And I think with his size, he needs to add some some mass to him. I think that's something that he's okay with. Get a little, dip that toe into the water. Remember, Jamar and Terrace, I mean, their freshman years were fine. They weren't anything to say, all right, next year they're going to be, you know, a part of the best passing attack in college football history. Um, but you saw the talent, and that's what you kind of hope for you know, when it comes to his actual freshman year, I, I just think he's going to be able to to have some some people talking about him and make some plays in the spring. I don't want to make it cut and dry, but to me, and y'all can disagree with me if you want, but to me it feels like Chris Hilton or Jalen Brown, one of those two is going to be very impactful. And obviously I think Hilton, with the multiple years in college, if he can stay healthy, should be able to do that. And then on the other side, I mean, I th- Kyron Lacey should – take uh, be able to be a uh, very very reliable for this team but if he's not i'm looking at shelton sampson and be like all right if kyron's not quite there shelton goes go see what you can do and this is all for again the backups to malik and brian thomas like not including in the uh, players in the slot i don't think i think aaron anderson has that pretty much unlocked um and maybe if you want to throw landon ibiot in there or whatever but that to me is like the two dynamics at work here it's going to be hilton or brown and i think it's going to be probably lacy but if not lacy then we'll see what samson can do and you mentioned landon ibietta so they've got malik neighbors brian thomas kyron lacy uh chris hilton who we've talked a good bit about landon ibietta those are your five returning scholarship receivers then you brought one guy in in transfer aaron anderson uh he certainly could fit into that two deep or first team however you want to say it and then there's Jalen Brown, Kyle Parker, Shelton Sampson, and Kai Prion as the four high school signees. I think a big thing I'll be watching in spring, Jalen Brown and Kyle Parker are already there. Uh, we'll see what Sampson and Prion can do over the summer. But how much can the group of Lacey, Hilton, Ibietta, Anderson, I guess you could put them in that group, hold off the four freshmen? I mean, I'm, that's four guys who are not veterans, but four guys who have been in college programs versus four guys who are coming into it for the first time. Can they hold those guys off or do some of those guys start to jump people? I think that will be an intriguing storyline. Who was early enrolling from this uh, from this group? It's Kyle Jaylen Parker Brown. and Jalen Brown. Brown yeah. and Parker. Yeah, so that's a really good – yeah, like Shay said, we'll get to see those two immediately, uh, see how prepared. Because those are, I think – I, I mean, we're high on Sampson and, I mean, Prion to a degree as well. But Brown and Parker, I think, are the most ready-made for no doubt. college. So that will be good to see it during the spring. No, I'm yeah, with I, you. They are the two most ready. I think odds are they'll be able to probably hold off two or three of those guys, you know, as far as, you know, maybe being redshirt guys mm-hmm. or who knows. Special teams obviously can change the redshirting situation. But, um, you know, odds are – just looking at the history of kind of freshman receivers, it's just tough sometimes to, to really get out there a lot. And well, and I'll say this too, as we wrap up, let me do the rewind button here. All right. We're back in the middle of the season. Everyone is, I'm not going to curse. Everyone is complaining of why are they rotating so much? Why is Malik not on the field? Every play. Why is Keishon not on the field? Every play. Why is Brian Thompson on the field? Every play. If they continue with rotating at receiver, we're going to see all these guys. They were putting those guys out there last year. Chris Hilton and them were getting reps in games. So 
I don't think it's such as it, it won't be as simple as being like, okay, here's your three best players and they're just going to play the whole time. They just don't do that. They rotate guys and people scream and shout about it. But the reality is, is that's what they're going to do. Great point to end it. Well, guys, 50 minutes, quarterbacks, wide receivers. Uh, we kick people's weekends off. On the right note with that, uh, one of the first spring football position preview podcasts. Before we go, a quick reminder to subscribe to the Bengal Tiger. $30 gets you covered until September and gets you that Founders Club hat. Check out the instructions on the message board once you subscribe to get your hat. Still plenty available. And uh, jump on board. Keep hitting that subscribe button to the YouTube channel as well. There's a lot of fun going on uh, the Bengal Tiger right now as uh, recruiting is about to heat back up. Drop some more visitors that are coming for that March 4th weekend. Matty B's all over basketball and baseball. It's, it's a busy time. It's the right time to be on the Bengal Tiger. And let me say this, too, before we close. We're going to do position previews uh, every Friday, Thursday, Friday, all the way up until the start of spring ball, uh, which is first week of March or second week of March. Um, I believe it's March 8th. They haven't put out the dates, but that's when it is. I feel breaking news. Breaking news. There there you go. It starts at the same time basically every year. I feel best about these two positions than any other. That's my early take. I have little, the least amount of questions about this group than any other. There's more unknowns with other groups, even if they're strong. You don't have special teams at the top? (laughs) No, no. I um damn it, Billy. <laughs> honestly, I'm going to the uh, after this, I'm going my confidence is in the trenches, but we'll get there because I just have a lot of questions on how it all works out. Good I think I think these two positions are a little bit more clear cut of like, okay, I could see how it playing out and I feel very good about that. No, I, I completely agree with you. All kidding aside, and 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 I like those uh the one, two, three, quarterback, wide receivers, and then offensive line. It's a good group. So with that, guys, I'm going to shut it down. Appreciate all you guys listening to this edition. Uh, Lundy knocked out in the background there. Uh, Marty Carl's very- already gotten to her. She hasn't even started. Yeah. Uh, enjoy it all this weekend, guys. Hope everybody has a great one. Thanks for listening. And we will catch you next week with the mailbag edition of the podcast. Happy, happy Mardi Gras. Weekend and happy Mardi Gras. Catch you guys later. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.